Rick Hershout was appointed Los Angeles Director of the American Jewish Committee, AJC, in September of 2019. Hershout is a longtime civil rights advocate and Jewish communal leader who has served in senior executive roles with the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, the Illinois Holocaust Museum, and American Jewish Joint Distribution Committee. Rick has worked to advance human rights and democratic values and promote the security and well-being of Jews and other vulnerable communities in the United States, Israel, and around the globe. He has led fact-finding missions to Ukraine, Ethiopia, Cuba, and Israel, and spearheaded international efforts to mark the 20th commemoration of the genocide against Tutsi in Rwanda. Rick led the creation of the Illinois Holocaust Museum and Education Center as its founding executive director from 2004 to 2014. Under his leadership, the museum hosted heads of state and other dignitaries. In 2013, he received an Emmy Award as co-executive producer of the nationally broadcast documentary, Skokie, Invaded But Not Conquered. Rick has served with the ADL for 21 years, including a decade as Midwest director in Chicago. His work included building bridges between the African-American and Jewish communities and close cooperation with law enforcement on issues of anti-Semitism and extremism. Hershout and his wife, Susan, a native of Los Angeles, are the proud parents of two adult children. He holds a bachelor's degree in international relations and Judaic studies from Tulane University and studied at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. He grew up in upstate New York and Knoxville, Tennessee. To our dear KI community, it is our honor, my honor, our honor to welcome Richard Hershout. Thank you so much, uh, Cantor Chaim, for that very warm introduction, and to Rabbi Daniel, and to my uh, dear sweet niece, uh, Sarah Epstein, for helping to facilitate and cheerlead uh, this evening. Um, it's wonderful to see everybody, especially after this uh, yuntif of Thanksgiving and uh, lots of eating over the last last few days. Um, hopefully everyone is rested and recharged and ready to uh, dive deep and deeper into um, this terrible subject that uh, that is now front and center. That is that is really gone mainstream. Anti-Semitism is no longer uh, in the shadows or in the darker corners of our society. Uh, look no further than uh, our former president uh, hosting for dinner at uh, at his club um, at Mar-a-Lago, a uh, well-known uh, Holocaust denier, white supremacist by the name of Nick Fuentes, who was also a dinner guest with uh Yay, uh, previously known as, as Kanye West. Now, if that sounds very political, um, I will tell you from the outset that, uh, AJC, American Jewish Committee, is a nonpartisan, a nonpolitical organization, but we will follow, uh, bigotry and anti-Semitism and prejudice wherever it leads us. And it's important that we call it out whenever we see it. What I hope we can do over this next hour is take um, uh, a very serious look at, at all of the places where anti-Semitism manifests. This will be uh, perhaps a bit of a refresher course for many of you, but what we hope to do 
is spend a little time sharing with you the kind of information that AJC is called upon to share with the broader community, increasingly so. And in fact, the uh, slideshow that we will walk through, and we'll try to do this relatively quickly so that we have time for discussion and Q&A, is no different um, than, uh, than a presentation that was done just last week for the LA Clippers. So if you happen to be uh, a fan of the NBA and of uh, and the various teams, this is the kind of um, interest that the rise in anti-Semitism has spawned. I've been in this business for close to four decades, and I wouldn't be if I wasn't somewhat of a glass half full person, ultimately an eternal optimist. And so with anti-Semitism uh, being front and center and mainstream, there is that proverbial teachable moment before us. And so this is part of what what uh, we hope to share this evening. I'm uh, assisted by our wonderful uh, graduate fieldwork intern from HUC, Olivia Bernheimer, who is on the screen and is waving. And Olivia will uh, will help with the prompts with our um, with our slideshow and with this uh, with this presentation. I'm hoping that we will move through this relatively quickly so that we have ample time for your questions that I know Rabbi Daniel is, is gathering and, and, and aggregating. And um, again, I thank you for this opportunity on behalf of AJC. And why don't we get started, Olivia, please. Our objectives over this next half hour, and again, thinking about this a little bit as, uh, as a teachable moment, thinking about the different uh, organizations and institutions that are, that are seeking out um, greater understanding on anti-Semitism, what we hope to do is to take a deeper look at, under, at anti-Semitism and understanding why it seems to have, in fact, risen to the surface uh, so profoundly in, in recent uh, months, to learn to identify and recognize anti-Semitism, and to better understand how anti-Semitism impacts all of us and what each of us can do um, as members of the Jewish community and as allies uh, to the Jewish community. That's that's a word that 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 you'll hear often in this uh, society-wide effort to confront anti-Semitism. It is about allyship and and empathy. Sharing with you here, I'm actually just going to adjust my screen if I can. Forty-one percent of Americans. We won't be too heavy with statistics here, but I do want to share one important one: that some forty-one percent of Americans have witnessed an anti-Semitic incident either in person, online, or against a Jewish institution over the past, it's really probably 24 months because this survey is now nearly a year old. But this reflects uh, one of several annual surveys that AJC has conducted, not just of Jewish perceptions of anti-Semitism, but we really wanted to get a sense of what the broader community, which of course includes Jews, but the, the larger primarily non-Jewish community, uh, has seen and experienced. This is actually a good time to ask uh, each of you whether or not, and perhaps just maybe indicate with a yes or no response in the chat, and I hope Rabbi Daniel, this does not mess up the, uh, the system that we have for this evening, but just whether each of you over the last 12 months, have you 
either experienced or witnessed an act that you would consider to be anti-Semitic? Let's just take a moment, if we can, and fill that uh, those responses in the chat, please. So we seem to be very much aligned with and consistent with the national uh, the national trends. We're seeing it. We are undoubtedly living through a moment that has the the ground under our feet a little shaky, and not just because we're in California, but because there's a little bit of a a sense of of a of loss of equilibrium, if you will. And for those of us in LA, which is probably the majority, if not all of us on this uh, program tonight, think back just six weeks ago. It started with the L.A. City Council and the revelations of bigotry and hate surreptitiously recorded more than a year ago, and that targeted primarily the African-American community, but the Jewish community was not far behind, and there was anti-Semitism embedded in those recordings. That was followed, of course, by the uh, the uh, expressions of, of, of sheer hate, uh, ignorance, and uh, and menace, ominous uh, threats from Kanye West. Kanye West, whose social media following eclipses threefold the entire Jewish population on the planet. And so I I, I share that point because if People want to know, why are we so upset? Why are we so concerned about the uh, the ramblings of someone who arguably is not well? It's because of the power of social media. And we will talk a little bit more about that as the hour progresses. And then, of course, in L.A., it, uh, we saw the unfurling of the most vile uh, banner over the 405. Kanye was right. Honk if you believe Kanye was right. There were more members of the AJC board and and uh, other clergy in L.A. who happened to be driving down the 405 that day and came upon that 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 awful awful expression of hate. So all of this had a cumulative effect, compounded by Kyrie Irving of the New Jersey. I still call them the New Jersey Nets. They are the Brooklyn Nets, of course but a superstar basketball player uh, promoting a hateful anti-Semitic screed that holds Jews responsible for the slave trade. And all of this, again, compounded. And then perhaps you saw Dave Chappelle do a, a monologue on SNL just a couple of weeks ago, 15 minutes. He saved it for the live show because the one-hour rehearsal that precedes the live show, he did a fake monologue. Now, whether or not he had permission to do what he ultimately did remains to be seen. We don't know. And that's that's still a mystery. But again, for all the years that I've had the privilege of being in this line of work, I have never felt so objectified and so marginalized by, by that screed. And that is something that I think we have to just just bear in mind. So I digress. Olivia, next slide, please. So continuing, again, AJC surveys, nearly four in 10 American Jews say they have avoided at least one of the three behaviors you see uh, in this uh, in this slide. 
And that's 17% avoiding certain places, events, or situations out of fear of anti-Semitism. 22% avoiding making themselves visually identifiable as Jewish out of a fear of anti-Semitism. And 25% having refrained from posting Jewish-related content online over fear of anti-Semitism. So this is to say that what's out there is not only real, but it is becoming increasingly internalized. And it's something that is causing many of us to, to think twice about our proud identification in America as Jews. And so it's a, it's a, it's a point to share with you. So going back again to some of the basics, before we can understand anti-Semitism, let's understand who are the Jews. Next slide, please, Olivia. And people are sometimes, we are sometimes asked, are Jews, uh, uh, a religion, an ethnicity, um, a uh, a culture. It is a multiple choice, and the answer really is D. All of the all of the above. Judaism is a religion, an ethnicity, and a culture. Jews originate from the land of Israel, and the language of Hebrew, the biblical language, which of course has been has been uh, updated uh, over the last century uh, from from Eliezer ben ben Yehuda. Um, that is the unifying thread that, that brings us all together. And this is who the Jewish people are. Next slide, please. It's always worth taking a look at, at our population globally. And we number some 15.2 million. So again, that's roughly a third of Kanye West's social media following. But it, but the, the real point to share with you, and you can see the distribution, the numbers in Israel continue to climb the population of Israel is rapidly approaching 10 million. It's, 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 it's really an extraordinary, uh, miraculous achievement. Most of the, uh, of the Jewish population is today in Israel, followed by the U.S., followed by France. But aggregating all of these numbers, the 15.2 million Jews on the planet today still does not eclipse the pre-war, pre-Holocaust population of, of, of the Jewish people. Um, and, and, and that's, that's really the, the underlying, uh, tragedy and sad fact that we have yet to replenish the community as we knew it before the Shoah. Next slide, please. And then when we talk about the, the Jewish community, sometimes the, the anti-Semitism and sometimes the sort of the, the blinders that people have to uh, to Jewish suffering is because there's a sense of we are, we are white passing. That's the, the phrase that's used. And what that does is really negates the diversity within our community. And we have just a, a little montage here. The upper left slide, um, actually is the family, uh, of, of one of my colleagues, uh, Saba Sumach, originally from, uh, Iran. And these are, these are her uh, generations of her family going back, uh, uh, going back generations in Iran. We see, of course, in the middle slide, uh, Jews from from Ethiopia, and then other uh, notable personalities, uh, the late great uh, Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. You see uh, the diversity, the Mizrahi, Eastern uh, Jews from uh, from Sephardic. Uh, lands and of Middle Eastern and North African uh, descent. And then, of course, no slide is complete without Jerry Seinfeld. But it's to show that we are a very diverse people. 
And in, in fact, some 12% of American Jews identify as people of color. And so it's important when we talk about who we are as a community and we try to understand where anti-Semitism rears its ugly head, even if so-called white passing, we are still subject to hate and discrimination. And it's important to understand that diversity. So as we come to what is anti-Semitism, let's, let's continue, please. Anti-Semitism is a certain perception of Jews which may be expressed as hatred toward Jews. And so here we have the sense that, um, yeah, let's, let's hold right there. The definition that was just shared with you is known as the IRA definition, the International Holocaust Remembrance Alliance working definition of anti-Semitism. And it really speaks to uh, this notion, this perception that Jews have too much power, that somehow there are conspiratorial forces at work uh, that that express that power, and, and that somehow there is a, an evil undertone, an undercurrent uh, of Jewish influence in the world. And that really is the, the heart of the, of the IRA, uh, uh, working definition. You see, of course, now here was the, uh, really that original tweet that, that Kanye West, uh, issued, uh, that he was going to wake up and, uh, in the morning and go death con three, uh, on the, on the Jewish people. There's also this, this, uh, strange, uh, uh, phrasing that he can't somehow be anti-Semitic because black people are actually the true Jews. And you see that in the second, uh, graphic here as well. And, and, and we've seen some of this express itself by, uh, a sect known as the Black Hebrew Israelites. You may have seen them, uh, marching down, uh, the main street toward the Barclay Center in Brooklyn the other day in support of, of, of Kyrie Irving. And this is this notion that somehow they are the true Jews and the true Semites. So how could uh, this version of anti-Semitism have any legitimacy? Well, it does. It still does very much so. Next slide, please. And then just going a little deeper on conspiracy theories. We heard uh, that uh, many of these theories around 9-11, this notion that somehow Every Jew who worked in the Twin Towers was given advance notice, was alerted to uh, the attack that was going to happen on 9-11. And, um, and that's, uh, and that's been a, uh, a conspiracy theory that has continued to have currency since 9-11. And then this, and then the photo on the right, um, with the, the, the chanting and the tiki torches, Jews will not replace us. That was Charlottesville in 2016, and that speaks to uh, a theory that we continue to see cropping up known as the Great White Replacement Theory, that somehow Jews are setting out to undermine and replace uh, Christian uh, America. And we've seen the so-called manifestos of this Great White Replacement Theory appear in recent mass shootings, which we'll talk about uh, momentarily. It was, of course, Charlottesville. That really was the, the, the trigger event, the threshold event, um, according to our president, Joe Biden, that caused him to, uh, to decide to enter the race and to, and to unretire from, from public life and public service and, and run for president. 
Next slide, please. Here, just sharing uh, this quote from Eric Ward, who is a, a, a fellow, uh, a friend and an ally in the fight uh, against extremism. And, and, and here making the point that that this this great white replacement theory, and he's speaking speaking specifically to the shooter at the Topps supermarket in Buffalo earlier this year, that he targeted blacks, but ultimately was was targeting Jews, who he saw as the puppet masters and seeking to undermine uh, Christian America. By the way, the shooter today, just today, uh, pled guilty to uh, to federal hate crime and and murder charges. But Eric Ward uh, has, has has really hit the nail on the head with um, with this view. Next slide, please. And again, very very quickly, when we look at the history of anti-Semitism, this is the world's most enduring hatred. We see it uh, with Christian anti-Judaism, classic anti-Semitism, as it's been referred to, the deicide charge that that Jews somehow were responsible for the for the murder of Christ. This is a theory that held for uh for two millennia. It was only in 1965 that the Catholic Church, through its uh declaration of Nostra Etate, finally uh moved away from the deicide charge uh against the Jews. We see it in political anti-Semitism, we see it in racial anti-Semitism, we see it with anti-Semitism in Muslim lands. And of course, anti-Israel anti-Semitism and really the, the, the seminal, uh, work that, that is so much of the wellspring of, of anti-Jewish hatred is a, a screed that was written, uh, in Tsarist Russia known as the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion that supposedly revealed a plot, a secret cabal of Jews to control the world. But the Protocols has been the most enduring uh, piece of hate, uh, for, for, for well over a century. Let's continue. Just including here, because I, I, I think it's noteworthy and important when we talk about the, uh, uh, the racial anti-Semitism of, uh, of the Third Reich, of, 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 uh, of, of, hit, of Nazis and, and Hitler. He did look to America in part. The Nazis took some of their racial policies from what was going on in the American South. And so these, these two images of, um, of the Jim Crow South in 1960 and obviously preceding that, um, in Nazi Germany, we see a, a bench in Austria, um, just for, just for Jews. There were par- parallels and that's a discussion for another day, but it's an important element to include here. Now, in terms of contemporary anti-Semitism, we see it cropping up, um, during, during, uh, electoral seasons, the, uh, the electoral cycles in which, um, Jews are vilified and seen as somehow seeking undue influence and control. We see anti-Semitism, uh, cropping up around Jewish holidays. That second slide you may recall was the, um, the attack that took place in Monsey, New York on the first night of Hanukkah, just, just three years ago, where a, uh, a black Hebrew nationalist stormed a Chabad Hanukkah gathering, ultimately, um, led to the, uh, the, the rabbi of, of that, uh, of, of that community, uh, succumbing to his, to his wounds. 
And then, of course, the third element, violence in the Middle East, you're seeing here the a scene from the Sushi Fumi restaurant uh, here in, in, in West L.A., in which uh, a roving band of, of pro-Palestinian thugs were parading around, uh, waving Palestinian flags, happened upon diners simply having a meal outside at Sushi Fumi and, and descended upon these diners, asked who was Jewish and engaged in, in, in violence. Let's continue. This is just a series and we won't go through all of them, but to give you a sense of, of the, um, the scope and the severity of episodes just, just in recent years. Uh, we see it globally and we see it, of course, uh, in the U.S. and the most, most powerful and, and we still are feeling the aftershocks as a Jewish community was the horrific attack upon worshipers at the Tree of Life synagogue just four years ago, um, when a white supremacist, uh, walked in, burst into the synagogue, shouted, all Jews must die and proceeded to shoot at will and ultimately, uh, took the lives of, of, of 11, uh, beautiful souls that morning. Uh, let's continue. How to recognize contemporary anti-Semitism. Again, hatred toward Jews, conspiracy stereotypes and scapegoating, Holocaust denial, Holocaust comparisons, and inappropriately invoking Israel. And we'll move quickly through these. Hatred toward Jews. Let's continue. Again, just to show the connectedness here. So you have this sense of Jews as satanic going back millennia, and you have that same enduring theory uh, expressed by the shooter in Pittsburgh. So there is that, that connectedness to, throughout history. We have, of course, the, the hate, the, uh, the continuous hate, uh, expressed by Minister Louis Farrakhan, the Nation of Islam. I spent many years in Chicago and there was, um, we, we, we greeted with dread, uh, every February when the so-called Savior's Day gathering, uh, thousands of people, uh, gathering, in, uh, in, in a large communal hall for, for Farrakhan's usually three or four hour speech peppered with anti-Semitism. And then there was, of course, the one year where he had a group of, of, uh, black hat, uh, Orthodox Jews from the Nature Karta sect. This is a group that doesn't believe in the modern state of Israel, had them on the stage, uh, to show that he loves Jews. And that was, uh, that was all part of his, his continued, um, hate, uh, that, that, that carries on, um, uh, with impunity to the, to this very day. Next slide. And we'll continue on. Uh, again, uh, the sense of, of, of Jewish greed. We see that the, con- again, the conspiratorial, uh, Jews as, as greedy. And we saw that same historic theory carried out six months after Pittsburgh with the shooting in Poway at the Chabad of Poway that uh, uh, tragically took the life of uh, of Lori Gilbert Kay, originally from from Los Angeles. Um, and we see, again, that that connectedness of uh, of conspiracy theories. Let's continue. Again, Jewish control and the sense that somehow Jews are are, are puppet masters. These are these are theories that have stayed and endured, uh, throughout, um, all of, all of recorded history because Jews become the easy scapegoat for 
the complexity of societal ills for illness and for, for natural disasters. It's easy to find that, that boogeyman as the, through the, through the Jewish people. Continuing. And again, coming back to this notion of not the real Jews, this left hand, uh, slide is this, uh, so-called documentary Hebrews to Negroes that Kyrie Irving, the NBA player, has been promoting and has since sort of backpedaled, backpedaled from that. We saw that same theory in the shooting of the kosher grocery store in Jersey City, New Jersey in December of 2019. And we even see this just absolutely grotesque, uh, notion of, of Anne Frank having been the benefit, uh, having benefited from so-called white privilege. Um, there's, there's an enduring, uh, uh, continuing nature to these theories. I touched earlier upon this notion of Jews as somehow being, uh, having been, um, uh, those who formulated and, and, uh, and conceived of the slave trade. Nothing could be further, uh, from the truth. And we, we see that, uh, as well. Next slide, please. Continuing Holocaust denial, Holocaust distortion. You may have seen some of the, the invoking of Holocaust imagery during the pandemic that somehow, uh, the, uh, push for vaccines and vaccine, uh, mandates was akin to the Nazi persecution of the Jews. It was a twisting and distortion of, uh, of the, uh, of the, of the horrors of World War II. That the picture on the left is the, uh, governor of, of Michigan, Christine, uh, uh, Whitmer, uh, as you see it, uh, with that, um, that, um, the Gretchen Whitmer, thank you, uh, with that, with that, uh, uh, motif. And, uh, it's beyond offensive, but it was, it was somewhat of a mainstream image. And we saw it in those states where, uh, there was fierce anti-vaxxer, uh, uh, rhetoric and in some cases violence. Next slide. Inappropriately invoking Israel. Uh, here too, and I, I touched upon this earlier a little bit of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So Kanye now in company with the so-called Goyim Defense League. These are the people that have been, uh, littering, uh, many of our homes, our, our driveways, our, our mailboxes with these uh, flyers that blame uh, every evil under the sun and most recently COVID uh, upon the Jews. And, and we see that, that sort of uh, connectedness of, of blaming Israel for, uh, for the evils of, of, of the world. Next slide. Here again, uh, a montage. I'll point out, uh, you've got the picture of Sushi Fumi. You've got the Palestinians uh, prior to that attack. The gentleman with the neck brace is an Orthodox Jew who was walking in Times Square on a Friday afternoon and was attacked in broad daylight because he was wearing uh, the kippah. That spoke to the just the, the tenor and the tone of, of anti-Jewish hostility that was going on out there. But But specifically, pointing to May of 21, this is when the 11-day uh, Gaza conflict took place. And, and there was this sense of American Jews as somehow combatants and, uh, by proxy and that it was open season and fair game for those who were critical of Israel 
to attack Jews in the streets of America. Next, next slide. I won't go deep on this, but I will, I will point to, again, I'd spoken about the IRA working definition, but the document that you see, the brochure that you see, Translate Hate, is available on the AJC website. It is free of charge, AJC.org. And this is a series of, um, different, uh, tropes, uh, and canards through the centuries that are defined and broken down and, and frankly, as we understand them, we rob them of whatever power they have, uh, I believe, uh, to cause harm, uh, and hate. And that's part of what recognizing and understanding anti-Semitism today is all about. The next slide. And again, this is so much of this is, is a message to, to our, to our would-be allies. Uh, and that is to understand that anti-Semitism is a whole of society problem. It is the proverbial canary in the coal mine. It is a gateway hate. So when we talk about fighting anti-Semitism, we ultimately are speaking out and confronting all forms of bigotry and hate in America. And that's, that's, that's the beauty, I believe, of this, of this teachable moment of the fact that we are no longer, uh, talking about, uh, a hatred that is, uh, lurking in the shadows. Next slide. And ultimately, um, I'll just say a word about DEI. We hear, we hear a lot about diversity, equity, and inclusion. It is the uh, kind of the term of art. It is the most uh, sort of politically correct uh, and appropriately so uh, uh, focus in so much of corporate America today. What's very important from our view, from our perspective, and really so much of our training focuses on this, is to make sure that DEI doesn't forget the Jewish community. So when we're doing workshops, so much of it uh, is, is, is at the behest of, of Jewish employee groups at different companies and different corporations that they are finally being recognized and included and treated equally with other diverse groups uh, throughout, throughout the workplace. And that's, that's an important, um, new beginning, really, and a revelation for, for, for many. And so that's, that's something that we, uh, we're, we're excited about making those inroads. And I think we might have come to the last slide. So, uh, that's, that's me. That's my email. And, um, the, you know, the, the good news about AJC, we've been around 116 years. We are not going out of business anytime soon. And we are, uh, Global, but we are also hyper local. And whenever anti-Semitism, uh, arises, we are here to help and to engage and to, and to try to, um, ease the pain of, uh, of this, of this, uh, most enduring hate. So let me stop there. And I hope that, um, there are questions or comments. So first of all, thank you very much for the, the background and the kind of context and for a way of us seeing this, we've had some different questions come through, some of which uh, are, are about what specifically you were addressing and other pieces are about how we're supposed to see and, and frame these thoughts. And so the first is we, we, you started to address it. If you consider anti-Semitism to be a political issue, like, do you consider anti-Semitism to be political? We, we've looked at that a little bit. And if so, how should synagogue be engaging with those who promote it? How should synagogues be going about um, pushing back or or 
you know, doing advocacy work in something that does have this kind of political sphere around it? It's a great question. And I think, um, I, I, I think we have to approach it, uh, by understanding that it, it manifests, uh, from the right. It manifests from the left. It manifests as well from, uh, from, uh, Muslim extremists. And, and you have to be somewhat, uh, swivel headed when it comes to, uh, to anti-Semitism. I think I saw a, a, a comment just, just flash across the screen about the college campus. And I did not, uh, address the campus. I figured there would be, there would be a question, uh, as, as there was. And, and much of that is coming from, uh, is, is in fact coming from the left where, uh, Jewish students on a college campus often have no idea about the environment that they are walking into. And part of our job, and we're doing this at AJC and other organizations are doing it as well, is to, uh, is to prepare them so that there is, um, an understanding that when, um, a well-intentioned, uh, Jewish young adult signs up for the, uh, environmental club or, or some other social justice, uh, effort on campus and is somehow, uh, canceled and, uh, very clearly, uh, no uncertain terms made unwelcome at, at that forum that they have a way of responding. And we have to, uh, we have to just, uh, make that, make, make that clear. I think the, I think there is a role, as 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 you've asked, uh, uh, Daniel, for the synagogues to um, to make sure that youth, the young people, are you know are are, are fully exposed, uh, whether it's through role play, uh, through the situation, through the experiences of of older siblings on a college campus, uh, to 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 be able to to understand and recognize anti-Semitism. But wherever it rears its ugly head, it should be uh, confronted and condemned. So, so I, yeah, and I appreciate it. And we will definitely go a little bit further into the college campus piece. But to get there, I, I think there's two questions that we kind of need to address. The first is, uh, we had a great question here from Ruthie, is what specifically makes it so easy for the Jews to continually be the scapegoat or boogeyman? For a lot of us, we've seen that history or a different side of what you, you've shared. But something that confuses a lot of people is why it keeps coming back. Like what perpetually makes the Jewish community into this scapegoat or boogeyman for other uh, other groups and people? Well, ultimately, uh, great question. Ultimately, we go back to um, those conspiracy theories. Anti-Semitism uh, is about fear. It is about uh, envy. It is about um, uh, the other and objectifying and uh, and um, diminishing uh, the other. And Jews have simply been uh, throughout history uh, too easily cast as as scapegoats. When we've had uh, when we've been shut out of uh, of, of industries, shut out of uh, uh, academia shut out of uh, professional uh, opportunities, we have found other ways uh, to make our way. Uh, that's the story of, of the Jews in Hollywood, that, that fundamentally uh, Hollywood was, was open and the creative uh, path was open to Jews because uh, much else was not. 
Right. And so that 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 history side makes sense. But for once you have those pieces, understanding a bit of the scapegoat or even part of it still being a mystery, the question of how we combat it today becomes that main factor that will go for the college campus piece, even for lower school level camp, uh, you know, associations. We had a comment in there about UTLA when they were going through their anti-Israel motion and all kinds of other pieces. So how do we combat it? Knowing that history and knowing that it's going to keep percolating back up, what are we supposed to do to not feel like it's a futile effort and to make sure that we are hopefully moving the pendulum forward in in pushing back against, you know, hate? I think it's, um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a great question. And again, I'm, I'm sort of at a at a stage in my career where I where, where, where I can't help but wonder sometimes. Uh, have we made progress? Uh, and I, and I think the, the, the conclusion that I've, that I've, that I've come to is we just have to remain, uh, ever vigilant because anti-Semitism will continue to, uh, emerge and reemerge and shape shift and find ways to, um, to, 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 to manifest. And we see it, uh, time and again. It, it does pass from one generation to the next, but it doesn't mean we can't, uh, make progress and we can't, we can't build bridges. I think back to in the 1960s, Dr. Martin Luther King, uh, worked closely with AJC and talked about the historic alliance and the shared struggle that blacks and Jews, uh, you know, that common path we must, we must walk. And here we are decades later, we have to, uh, we have to renew and, and, uh, refresh that same commitment. Yesterday's New York Times, some of you may have seen a, a beautiful essay from Michael Eric Dyson, who talked about the imperative of blacks and Jews, uh, coming together and that we face a common enemy. So rather than let, uh, you know, the haters in the world, uh, in, in the larger world, the so-called you know, the Goyim Defense League is the more extreme version of this. Uh, watch blacks and Jews, uh, uh, fight one another. We have to come together and face that common enemy. And so I think the challenge in fighting anti-Semitism is to, is to build allies. I referred to anti-Semitism as this gateway hate. And the truth is when we, when we work to confront anti-Semitism, we must do it with partners, with allies. That has always been the, the, the approach of, of AJC. That has always been the, the approach of, of the ADL where I worked for 21 years that, um, in order to really get at the singular hatred of, of anti-Semitism, we have to look out for the rights and the image and the safety and the status of, of all groups in America, because ultimately that's how we will move the needle. And, and make that difference. But we have to stay with it. We can never take our foot off the accelerator. You know, I want to add something to that as well uh, that you mentioned in regards to uh, building allies uh, and staying vigilant with, with, with our allies. And uh, I'm sure many of you saw, and if not, I urge all of you to go on YouTube or to find the, the John Mellencamp's speech at the, um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame the other day, uh, just last week, in fact, John Mellencamp, not Jewish, 
but uh, worked uh, many years with, uh, with an attorney who is Jewish and was being honored, an attorney out of New York. And his speech was just, uh, it gave me personally a lot of hope that we can get allies who are not Jewish. It's easy to have a Jewish ally, but it sometimes falls on deaf ears. But when we have someone like a John Mellencamp who's Christian and who can speak out uh, loudly and proudly of his friendships with the, with, with, with the Jewish community and to not only speak about his friendship with his, his attorney, but just to, to bless the Jewish people as a whole. And, you know, the ignorance is a huge part of this as well. And that's the thing you're, you're, you're sometimes these, these haters are, are, um, they are speaking to people who just don't understand, who just don't know, and they are very ignorant about it. And I believe that when you have a John Mellencamp who's in rock and roll and not just a, he didn't have to give this speech. I think those are the kinds of, those are the kinds of allies we have to start to, to build and have them speak out and the courage for him to speak out. Sure, if you have a Jewish artist or a Jewish famous Jewish, uh, like you had in the picture of, of what's his name, uh, that, 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 that comedian, you know, everyone expects them to speak, uh, to speak out or to speak out. Many of them don't, by the way, which is a whole other conversation. But I, but the John Mellencamp talk, I urge you all to, 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 to listen to. And I will also add that, uh, I, I mentioned this IRA working definition of anti-Semitism. It was recently adopted by the LA City Council. The best thing the city council has done, uh, probably in the last year. And that follows suit of, uh, Beverly Hills and West Hollywood. And what it means is it's the apparatus of government saying anti-Semitism matters. We recognize it. We will be responsive to those who feel they are targeted because of their background. We will make sure that our police departments are responsive. And when incidents arise, we will make sure that our institutions are safe and protected. It really sets that tone. And that's part of what AJC is, is, is working to do. We have a, um, an initiative involving, uh, mayors from across the United States. More than 700 mayors have signed a pledge to confront and recognize anti-Semitism in their communities. And so it's really the, the, the idea of enlisting partners and allies and and helping people understand that this is not just uh, a problem or a concern of the Jewish community. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I, I also um, I, I see these different questions flowing in and, you know, some of what we're looking at now is how do we combat anti-Semitism either through law or through tackling this age old piece of stereotype. And one of the things that you touched upon earlier that I think is a really important factor in how we interact today is this nuance piece. We said that, you know, you know, Chaim, you mentioned that the idea of haters being misinformed in pieces of it. And I, and I totally hear that. And also what about when we hear something that is this mildly anti-Semitic side or misinformed anti-Semitism? What does that mean for our allyships? Like when you said, you know, something comes from the left and you might agree with X amount of what they're saying, but there's a piece of it that's problematic. How are we supposed to navigate in that nuance? And, and I'll, I'll go even further to say, 
that I think this same question has to now be asked when we're looking at the formation of the new Israeli government, right? This is not to turn away from anti-Semitism in the states, but to ask, we're seeing a lot of posts about people very concerned with what hatred towards Jews inside of the Jewish world also looks like. So I don't want that to be the focus, but to this side of where our nuance is supposed to lie inside of finding those allyships you were referring to. It's uh Look, it's it's delicate, and I think the relationship building is um, it's a long term process. Uh, and I'll and I'll I'll share with you one of the relationships that we are in the process of of establishing and building is with um, uh, a major uh, entertainment holding company, Universal Music Group (UMG). And they are the holding company for a number of different labels, Def Jam and Capitol Records and, and others. At one point, one of their brands, one of their labels, uh, represented Kanye. They no longer do, thankfully. But literally, uh, 10 days ago, we convened a small Shabbat dinner with executives from UMG and AJC leadership. And we were very honest about what causes our communities and, and, and sort of under the guise of black Jewish, but, but larger than that, what causes each of us, uh, pain and, and, and trying to build empathy and find some common, some common ground to elevate, uh, the conversation and to, um, to, to build some, some degree of trust. And I think part of it is we have to take some risks and with, and, and, um, kind of reach out, you know, across the aisle, as it were, not just politically, but even in terms of, of, uh, you know, philosophically. And, and, um, there's some vulnerability that comes with that. But I think we have to try to, uh, educate those whom we believe are worth, uh, investing in and partnering with. And it's, uh, you know, like any relationship, it will have its, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's ups and downs, but, it, but, but we have to, we have to make that, we have to make that effort with respect to, to the new Israeli government. Um, there's a lot of concern, uh, and that would be, you know, I, it would be, uh, disingenuous of me not to, you know, not to say that there isn't a concern over, uh, the direction uh, of the government. And I think as American Jews who, who love, uh, Israel, we need to make our voices heard uh, respectfully. At the same time, we need to remind uh, the larger community and our own community that um, this was Israel's uh, fifth referendum in a period of four years, that democracy is alive and well in Israel, that the previous government was hardly a unity government, government but it was a coalition of uh, what did I read earlier today? It was the it was the seventy percent rule uh, or seventy percent principle that you get people to agree uh, who can agree on you know seventy percent of of what needs to be done to run a country and leave the other thirty percent to the to the side uh, not to be resolved and and that government which some predicted wouldn't last twenty four hours uh, held for well over a year and uh, the hope is there will be um that this new government will be better than than uh than 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 they uh, appear to be uh at, at this stage but 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 here too i think our challenge is 
to to ensure that uh, critics of Israel uh, have every right to to express their uh, you know di- divergent views with particular or take issue with particular uh, government policies, but to call into question the very existence or the right of the state to exist does uh, is dabbling in anti-Semitism, and that's a and that's a very clear. Uh, a point that the this IRA working definition uh, makes, in fact. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I think one of the pieces that you you very aptly touched upon is that you have to be able to own and acknowledge the pieces that make us uncomfortable, because otherwise um, we run the risk of this dismissive version of combating anti-Semitism. And and we know because you just said it, sitting at the table and having a conversation is is far more effective. Than the micro, you know, soundbite tweet versions of expression of, of frustration. So holding that notion that those conversations are important, you know, quite a few questions have come across here about the means for us to combat anti-Semitism through the legal system, whether it be through the definition of discrimination, as as, as Lauren Schiff asked, or here in how law enforcement can be involved in shutting down some of these groups that are pretty blatantly hate groups and that fit within the definition of so of such. How do we both call upon and hope that the legal system will do that while holding that same nuance that you're talking about so that we don't lose the PR side of this either, which is a really important aspect. So the, 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 the good, the good news in some ways is that we do have relatively strong, uh, hate crime laws, both, uh, federally and increasingly, uh, here in California. So that, um, and there were, there were a couple of measures that passed the legislature, uh, in, in this last session that, um, strengthen opportunities for police training, which ultimately will increase uh, the reporting and will just make uh, law enforcement agencies more responsive to the Jewish community. We run a very fine line, and, I, and I'll use this so-called Goyan Defense League as, as an example, uh, you know, unfurling a banner over the 405, uh, dropping leaflets, you know, in, insidiously often attached to a little bag of, you know, stones or, or rice so they don't blow away. Um, there's a free speech dimension there, but at the same time, probably the worst offense that's committed is a trespass or, or a littering, uh, violation. So some sort of municipal ordinance. However, it gets taken up to a whole different level when, um, you, you may have heard about the, uh, this projection through kind of like a gobo light or a laser light during, uh, a major College football game it was the Georgia Florida game and these, this, this, this GDL, uh, you know, Kanye was right message was being streamed across the stadium wall for, you know, tens of thousands of people uh, to see that raises the ante and that, that in some ways causes there to, to, to need to be a conversation about uh, some greater penalty. Because, you know, at what point does, does, does the free speech, uh, guarantee, um, fall by the wayside because of the degree of the, of the affront and the offense? And that's an open question. And it's something that, that, uh, we are, we are trying to raise and have that discussion, in fact, with, uh, uh, Attorney General Bonta here in, here in California, because it's, it's an altogether different animal when we're talking about that degree of, that degree of, of exposure. 
Um, we have to continue to strengthen the hate crime laws that are on the books. We have to be imaginative with additional measures. There is now a new uh, commission on the state of hate in California that is now just getting to work. There is also a commission on Holocaust and genocide studies. These are two brand new bodies that hopefully will have teeth in the work that they do. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, so going back a little bit with, with all of this information to the college campus piece, because we've had enough questions come through. It's clearly something that really deeply resonates with a lot of these folks and something that's fearful because of the difference in the way we see identity shifts in education as they're away for the first time for this, you know, to live on their own with, with college students. There's two sides of this. There's the side, you know, uh, our senior rabbi, Rabbi Amy Bernstein, has said on more than one occasion that it's it's about us building this really deep Jewish pride. The deeper and the more proud that our, our youth are of being Jewish, the less likely that that's going to change when they're on a college campus, the more likely they are to, to speak up at least calmly and rationally about anti-Semitism. The question is, what resources can we be giving them? What what tactics and resources can we be giving students who know there's something wrong with the way certain liberal groups are speaking about Israel or anti, anti-Semitism in general? But what resources can we give them to not, you know, elevate or exacerbate the issues, but to still combat them? Right. No, it's a great question. And I think I, w- I would agree with Rabbi Amy in terms of, of Jewish pride. That's it, it starts there. It absolutely starts there. It, but it may not be enough to, to confront the sophisticated, uh, rhetoric and sort of the machinery of, uh, of anti-Israel and ultimately anti-Jewish, uh, uh, hate, uh, that, that, that exists on a college campus. I, I saw a video of, of Noah Tishby on the UC Berkeley campus a month ago, simply standing in the, you know, sprawl plaza, trying to have a conversation about, about Israel with anyone who would, who would be interested in having that conversation. And lo and behold, she ended up being shouted down. It was simply a group of people who just refused to even be able to allow her to, to be on campus and to have that conversation. The Hillel on campus, the whole Hillel network is, is crucial to, uh, to life on, on campus and, and, and the, the function of Hillel has really transformed over the last decade or so. It's, it's certainly a place of, uh, of, uh, of solidarity and comfort and, and, uh, a social outlet for, for Jews on campus, but it, it now has to be much more of an advocacy and training center. And that's, uh, a resource that we help to support and that others help to support. And, and, and they are on campus and, and, and they should be the prime, uh, you know, institution in, in relating to and providing resources to, to students. I mentioned earlier, um, in, in passing, we have a program called Leaders for Tomorrow. The acronym is LIFT. And in fact, uh, KI has supported this program. This is for high school age students and it's an intensive leadership training and advocacy program to prepare young people for when they set foot on a college campus and to be able to, to sort of withstand these, uh, these challenges and hopefully have a, you know, a meaningful uh, ex- experience. They're, they're entitled to that when they set foot on campus. Thank you. I'm sifting through some of these other pieces. Um, you know, there's the one side of 
ways for us to be getting in touch with political leaders on both sides of the aisle, ways to really make sure that we are making sure they can feel the pressure coming from this community that like it still is a very important uh, topic to be addressing and being worried about on the national level. Uh, but the other piece that uh, we're seeing come through in a few different ways is how we're supposed to, what are other ways that we can kind of um, deconstruct these stereotypes? If we're not going to be able to combat them directly, if they're going to be long lived, are there ways that we can be deconstructing these stereotypes, taking away some of the the weight or the effectiveness of them? Because instead of being anti-anti-Semitism, as we've seen here, some of this pro-Semitism, right? So this idea of how do we deconstruct these anti-Semitic tropes and actually take them apart and instead be promoting more positive pieces? And is that even possible? So I had referred earlier to this translate hate glossary, and that is really exactly what that that guide is is all about. It, it looks at all of these stereotypes and tropes and breaks them down and traces their origin and really helps people understand um, why they've had this currency uh, through, through generations. And hopefully by understanding them, we are empowered. We have the ability to, to express and, and sort of de uh, deconstruct them to use your term and, and essentially uh, uh, rob them of, of, of their power to harm. Uh, and to hurt. And so I encourage uh, really everyone to take a, a good look at this at translate hate. It's not a, it's not a heavy, you know, volume. It's a, it's, it's a pretty easy, quick read. And it, and it's fascinating to, to really be able to see where, you know, the origins are of, of, of this, of all of these tropes. I will also say this. I think the greatest problem we have right now is the power of social media and and the so-called influencers and folks who uh, have the platform and the ability to use their voice for good, uh, either being silent or being co-opted by, uh, you know, a degree of ignorance and kind of just going along with, you know, with, with the crowd. AJC, and I hope that you'll, everybody will see this in the coming, coming months, we are hoping to enlist a number of prominent uh, celebrities and influencers and social media types uh, in the fight against anti-Semitism so that they use their platform. I mean, just as Kanye may have, you know, 30 or 40 million followers, um, there are others who have uh, large numbers of followers and who can use their voices for good. And I think that's the, that's the battlefield in, in, in so many ways. One of the pieces of legislation, just coming back to law for a moment, that was a significant measure that passed the California uh, uh, General Assembly this past year was, this past session, was this social media transparency bill, which basically forces every uh, uh, tech company, every social media platform in California so we're talking about Facebook and others to disclose their policies on hate, to disclose their policies on, on, um, to essentially be transparent with their policies and what they allow on their platforms. Social media companies were not happy about this piece of legislation, but it carried the day in any case. And now the challenge is to, to see that it is, uh, 
adhered to, that there is compliance with with the measure, that will help uh, go a long way as well. Beautiful. Uh, I really appreciate you uh, fielding these different questions. I'm looking through. I, I think that that is um, that you really did a great job with that. And I really appreciate that. So I'm going to throw it back over to our uh, beloved Chaim Frankel. Well, I just want to thank you, um, Rabbi Sher, for uh, being an incredible moderator. Uh, I knew you had, uh, I know you have so many talents that I did not, I've never seen you moderate like on this level. So, Kola Kavod, Yasher Koach, was really wonderful. And uh, again, I just want to uh, thank you all for being here. I do want to, uh, on, a, on a more personal note, again, express Sarafu Shalema to our senior rabbi. Amy and to Julie Festo, who I see is on here, who is in rehabilitation. There is a congregant who is sitting Shiva for his, the passing of his father. Uh, and, and we wish Mark well. And also a Simcha Nancy Garber, who just uh, named her grandson yesterday. So uh, it's wonderful. We are an incredible community. We're, we're uh, thank God that we are the Kehila, the Kehilat Israel, the community of Israel. And I want to wish you and bid you uh, again, thank the Sinaikos and, and all those who urged us to do this program and just uh, wishing and bidding you all a, an air of tov, a, a peaceful and a beautiful evening and a wonderful, wonderful uh, a Shavua tov, a week of peace and um, and of safety and to to stand tall uh, on uh, on all of these issues that uh, that confront us as as a people, as a community. So good night and God bless to all of you.